Find out about our new events and updates on Instagram and Facebook at ucla.aia. If you'd like to send in any questions or comments, or if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, send them to ucla.aiapresident at gmail.com. Thank you for wanting to learn more about the Indonesian American experience, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AIA podcast, episode eight. Today, we're going to be talking about the recent events happening within the Asian American community and specifically the instances of Asian American violence and just our thoughts as college students on how we've processed this and also like how we as observers um, have just looked at these events. So I'm joined by some wonderful guests here today. And um, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Eric. I'm a first year at UCLA. Uh, happy to be here. Hello, my name is Bless. Thank you also for having me. Um, I'm also a first year at UCLA, currently a part of AIA, so just super excited to be here. Yes. Hi, y'all. Um, my name is Emily. I'm a fourth year at UCLA, also a member of AIA. Happy, happy to be here. Thanks. Third time's a charm, am I right? Um, it's Jason, fourth year at UCLA, part of AIA as well. And thank you all for yeah being in this space and just I hope that we have the chance to learn from each other and just to also digest and unpack some things that have been prevalent on our minds just these recent weeks or maybe even years, probably years. Mm. Uh, definitely. Thank you all for introducing yourselves. And um, I'm Dylan. I'm a part of AIA as well. And I think... Um, like what's been going on recently has just been very tough because we've seen this on social media where there's all these videos of um, elderly folk who are Asian American getting beat up or violated or um, shouted at. And it's been happening for this whole year, basically. But um, it's just this uptick. And I think according to uh, Stop API Hate, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it said that there's an uptick of 3,800 um, Asian hate crimes. And I think that's something that we have to kind of digest as um, as students who all go to UCLA and just think about um, our own different like narratives and our own different um, stories of how we've interacted with this violence, because this violence isn't just physical, but it's also um, very mental as well. So I think it's important for us to um, think about this so we can figure out like, how do we change this culture? How do we, um, how do we as the next generation of, of leaders in this country, what do we do um, in order to fix these things? And I think just like to start us off, um, what were all of your reactions to the recent events? I think for me personally, it started off with like a lot of frustration. Um, looking back at the events of this year, 
the pandemic and like the vilification of mm, like Chinese people specifically uh, really frustrated me seeing how everything culminated with the shooting in Atlanta. Um, it frustrated me that like just because we all look the same to white America that we are deserving apparently of being targeted with such vitriol and such violence uh but that frustration I feel like there's like one of two ways that I can go and for me it really turned into like a feeling of not apathy but like powerlessness uh, as an individual it feels really hard to do anything to fight anything especially when there's so much like barreling down at you um but within that like powerlessness i've definitely found a lot of solidarity and support within like reaching out to my community attending healing spaces and just listening to everyone mourn together and turn that morning into action as well yeah i can like agree with that statement like really heavily um for me i think helplessness was definitely like the biggest feeling that i had um just like watching all these events fold out um and i think something that's like even even greater is that this is like a, a really terrible like theme for our generation but it's, it just hurts that it wasn't like as surprising as it should have been because shootings were common um e- even in schools and um yeah throughout um u.s history asians have just been targeted so although all these events were really sad and really like um heartbreaking um it's like something that we that we could see coming from from white america which is just really sad um but yeah that's like a couple of the thoughts that like initially came through my head when i first saw about these events yeah for me, um, I think my first knee-jerk reaction um, was definitely just like to intellectualize it um, and just kind of like turn it back to like, oh, what about the theory and like the history of the U.S. and like the current climate has led up to this. And I think that was very draining um, just because I think along with the news, just kind of like the pace of the news and just the way that it's treated and like the lack of grace and like care um that the news and these lives have been treated with um we don't really have the space to breathe and like hold the the grief and hold the um the space to kind of mourn what has been like afflicting our community um so I think after some time of like just a process and just like allow myself to sit in my feelings there was kind of a rise of like a feeling of like um like helplessness and just realizing how close to home everything feels but yeah I think I think there's like a time and place for both but I I think I'm trying to work towards not immediately reaching out to like analyze it and try to understand it and like work with it I think that kind of comes from a place of like helpless helplessness and like the power that I have as a student is to think about it and like apply my education to it so definitely trying to make space for the feelings now It was kind of a really, I would say, a, a kind of reaction in which, you, you know, I, I read what happened and it's been all going over Twitter. And I think the thing that is 
that what happens when you keep reading like really terrible stories, especially with dealing with members of your community, is that you sort of get numb and used to it. Um, and for me, I didn't, I didn't feel anything when it when it happened. And I felt bad that I didn't feel anything because I feel like I've gotten accustomed to it. I think, yeah, there's definitely what what Bless said, the history of the United States and the history of society in itself, whether it be the laws of the country starting from the Chinese Exclusion Act, but even way before then, the um, discriminatory acts against um, people, people of color. Um, but specifically, if we want to target what's going on in, in America and around across the world is xenophobia. Uh, and so for me, it was just like, dang, this, ha- this happened again. And I think that all of us as Americans may have gotten used to the idea of shootings. We just, as uh, uh, during the time of like, when this podcast is recorded, there was a shooting last night in Orange, uh, California. And then just like recently, a few days after Atlanta, we had a shooting in Colorado, right? It's been a pandemic of some sorts. Not only are we dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, for, but for a while, we've been dealing with the pandemic of um, gun violence in this country. And so there's kind of like a lot of things that we unfortunately, I feel like, are becoming numb to, or at least I find myself succumbing to the numbness of that to the point where it's like, hmm, it's, it's, it's just pretty sad. It's a pretty, it's a pretty sad situ- situation. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I really feel that too, Jason, because I, initially when the pandemic happened, I thought I was really optimistic. I thought, oh, we're gonna have um, more solidarity. People are gonna come together because it's a pandemic. You know, like that's that is an enemy that you can't. It's like if aliens were ever to come to the Earth, right? Would we be? in solidarity against the aliens or what would like that those were the thoughts that came into my mind because it's um this at first like the pandemic the coronavirus wasn't really tied to like a country or like a set of people but then over time as more political discourse took place and more people began to make this coronavirus associated with chinese people um I think that caused a lot of division that caused a lot of this like anti-Asian sentiment. And um, I feel like this is intellectualizing it a little bit as Emily was talking about, but I think that um, just the way that I've been like looking at things in the past of history, like atrocious things that have happened in history, you look at it at a, if you look at it, in a more intellectual way there's it feels like you don't have to put your emotions in it as much that you can kind of detach yourself a little bit from it and not feel as like hurt from it and i think this is a situation that's going on now so um yeah it's it's really rough to just like see all of this going on and um 
I, I don't know about y'all too, but I've been like seeing these these videos of older folks being beat up and it's it's like my my grandma, you know, she's she used to just walk around and like without a care in the world, you know, like just just that's that's her exercise. And to think that people would like beat them up for that or just because of how they look, it's pretty traumatizing. Um, I wouldn't say like extremely traumatizing, but it's just like really scary on you just get, you know, like a bit scared about what could happen. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And um, I don't know if you guys have like watched the video, but like the video where there's like an Asian lady like outside of um, outside of this building and then she gets like stomped on and like the people inside the building are just like watching her like get beat up. And um, yeah, so like to add on to like not only is it scary for grandparents, but the fact that like like the society that we live in like doesn't even want to touch like, I don't know, like just help help out like an old lady getting beat up just because of like some type of um maybe like contract that they have or like they're it's not in their job description it's kind of it's kind of crazy and i think it's like definitely a point of change that we need to enact as college students but yeah it's definitely difficult when society is kind of like built around that kind of culture i always feel like there's this kind of underlying tone of like an us versus them type of vibes and i think it's just like something that is somehow ingrained into into all of us like it seems really difficult like if you really really think about it like of course we all we all speak of like unification we all speak of solidarity and all that stuff but when we've grown up with like otherizing folks when we've grown up with like being in just like thinking, thinking of one of like, if, if it's not us, there is a, there is a them. I don't know. Like even with the example of like us, us versus them with the aliens, right? That's like an immediate thought of like, are we going to stand up against something so it's like I, I feel like it's just a curious observation that i've just been witnessing it's like when we band together it's usually against something and of course there's probably a lot sociological and psychological reasons for why unity is important because of goals and purposes and all of that stuff but it is rather fascinating to um really think of like that as a mentality that's and that's what I've been seeing, and I've seen that seeping through, um, in some of the ways that we think in in some movements as well. Yeah, like I, I guess when you when you think of aliens, right? You think of these like other creatures and everything that are. I don't know, like incredibly different, right? But sometimes I think that, like, like I think if an alien situation were to ever happen, um, just observing this pandemic, I don't know if we would be able to like band together as people, as a world, to um, 
to like fight against it. And I think this is like a test in, in my mind of like what would happen if this invisible force were to like cause problems. Um, would it would it be politicized? Would it um, cause more divisions? And again, like in the beginning, I thought it would cause like more banding together, but um, we've seen that that hasn't really happened. And yeah, and I, I think this uh, this current situation has definitely hit close to home. And um, I was wondering if like any of y'all wanted to share about times you felt this anti-Asian sentiment um, throughout your life. I think living in a predominantly Asian area, I never really had to feel with like or deal with that feeling of being like other. I always had like my own community. My elementary school like had Vietnamese classes after school and we had a whole Lunar New Year celebration that every student participated in. Uh, but as I've grown older and older, I have had to become more conscious of me, myself and my families. Uh, positions in society because of um, our identities and having to have like that discussion with my parents of like please be safe when you go outside uh, like wear a mask wear sunglasses like wear a hat or something so that they can't tell that you're Asian um, having to like make sure that my mom who like just dropped me off uh in san diego who like drove all the way down from san diego uh, from san jose down to san diego having to remind her on the way back like avoid being outside um avoid being alone because she was driving by herself because i worry about her because she's not only a woman but she's an asian woman um i may have not felt like slurs being thrown at me but I definitely have felt the impact of everything going on right now, personally. Um, to kind of offer a, a contrasting perspective, um, growing up, like, I didn't have a lot of Asians around me. There was a lot of, like, um, Latino and, like, white community members around me. And in elementary school, like, I've had, like, so many instances where, like, they call me, like, Chino or, like, Chink or... Um, you know, they like assume things about your body and stuff and and like the, the type of food that you bring to lunch because um, my parents immigrated here um, and I was brought here when I was like two years old. So I definitely felt like the disconnect from like society and they definitely made me feel that way growing up. But um, over time, I realized that it's not necessarily something that I have to be afraid of, but uh, definitely the fact that I've had to experience it as a kid shows um, how like people truly feel about Asians because I think as kids we have um less of a filter definitely um especially when you're not around that type of groups of people if you're not exposed to like Asians in general um people don't really have a filter on like what's on their minds and I think it naturally comes to those um who are not surrounded by Asians so um definitely in other parts of America where we see these hate crimes happening um I think part of it may be a product of of the people they're around and um, how they treated others growing up as a kid and, and that like lack of filter. So um, yeah, Asian or anti-Asian sentiment has definitely been there. 
it's definitely been around and I think we're seeing the um, the greater repercussions of us not dealing with it or um, just beginning to deal with it um, in our generation. I think it felt so common for me to be otherized that to me it's like, of course Asians have always been treated differently than others and treated treated not not that well. Um, there were always this like, I felt the need for me to fit in just because, you know, I too was an immigrant. Uh, I am an immigrant, like, like bless, you know, coming here from Indo when I was two years old as well, being in a community that's not really, we do have a bunch of, we, we, in, in my community growing up, we did have a, a Filipino community. We did have a uh, Latinx community and we also had a lot of white folks as well. So, you know, to me, the other community that I could relate to was in the Pilminax community. Um, but even still, it always felt like there was just a, a a disconnect from like, you know, my own kind of like feeling besides like being in like Indo, Indo church. Um, and I feel like that community, once, once I started to go to move to like different schools and all that stuff, where there wasn't that strong of a community um, um, or an Asian presence, that's when, you know, all of the jokes, all of the name-calling, all of the slurs came, and it became a really regular part of my life that I just didn't bat an eye to it. Like, you know, as long as it's like they can say those things and as long as I feel like I fit in, then I would be totally fine with that, Right. And so it's like the acceptance of like losing your identity for the sake of fitting in was essentially kind of like the life story. Um, and I don't know, it, 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 it always just like, it's mind boggling to me how much like my Asian identity meant to me when, you know, in the earlier parts of my life, <laughs> college it's like I couldn't have it be that super big in my life or like super prevalent yeah or like wanting to understand more of that side so yeah and there's always like this characterization of like all Asian people do this all Asian, like we're put under uh under a monolith I believe that's a term to, please correct me if I'm wrong it's like we're put under like this this monolith it's like all asian people look like this think like this they're really good at math they're super super smart and all that stuff um it's just it, 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 and it's, it's it's just like you know some people take like oh i think it's great that people think of us as like super smart and math geniuses and all that stuff but i think it's like you know <laughs> When you, it's so easy to abstractize um, folks and abstractize like a group of people that you feel look similar, but honestly, like it hurts. Um, it hurts, and that's something that I've been trying to unravel um, for, for for years now, and I'm going to continue to unravel. Yeah, my my relationship with race relations is 
um, different from folks who have shared so far, or I guess kind of similar to Eric's. Um, I grew up in a very like East Asian bubble. Um, so definitely I didn't experience a lot of like othering for being Asian um, just because there's like a lot of Asian folks um, around here. So that I've never really like felt threatened as a, as a result of my race. Um, so that kind of just makes things so much more jarring, um, just kind of seeing how close to home uh, some of these events are. Like there was a threat like down the street from my house, um, which was very, um, very scary. Um, kind of just because that had been kind of a blind spot um, for some time, it's just kind of like, it just never felt super present um, in my life. And just kind of realizing like, you know, it's just it's such an insidious threat that um, myself and like my family have to be vigilant about um, when this wasn't really something that we had experienced much. It was very, it shook up the sense of security. And I think that's kind of a, a big, um, big part of the, the threat and just kind of the fear that stems from the anti-Asian violence. Um, but definitely kind of like the underside of that is also kind of seeing how the Asian response in this bubble kind, kind of comes to surface or at least like our rhetoric and like our relationship with other folks um, in this bubble kind of emerges. Like there's a lot of like aspiration of like the model minority myth and um, anti-Blackness in this community. And just kind of thinking about like, I don't know, it just makes me hope that our fight for self-preservation is not, you know, at, at the expense of others. I think that's kind of um, a concern that comes up coming from this very Asian, um, very <laughs> predominantly East Asian bubble that I'm in. So a lot of dimensions, a lot of questions. I definitely agree with Emily in that, having like also been in the same very East Asian bubble. I think the response oftentimes is a little lackluster. Sometimes it's like, we were there for you for BLM, why aren't you here for us now? I think the biggest problem with that is that I think, uh, I said this earlier uh, in AIA's healing space, but like, as soon as our activism starts being transactional, that's where it like falters and fails. We should be there as the UCLA season keynote speaker said, uh, we should be there as co-conspirators with each other. We should be there as family. We should be there without asking or without having to be asked. Uh, we should not be there as, we should not be there for each other in these situations as like tit for tat. Um, I think an important part is to acknowledge that our liberation will never come without liberation for Black Americans or for the LGBTQ. The intersectionality of all of our identities is really important in acknowledging that, um, acknowledging how to move forward and that we need to be together as a community to move forward. Yeah, I, th I think I could um, like relate heavily with both Emily and Eric of just growing up in a really like predominantly Asian community and I also feel like it's um like right now it, I I kind of have this disconnect because I don't live where I grew up and um it's it's hard to see things like happening um on streets that were near me or um it, it's especially like what Emily said kind of jarring because it's 
it's so um you would you would think of like the San Gabriel Valley area as a very understanding space of like Asian people. Like you see you see restaurants with like Chinese lettering or um Chinese characters and Japanese characters everywhere. And you kind of assume like, okay, people aren't gonna be like terrible people towards Asian people. Um because that that's the predominant um like that's the predominant demographic in the San Gabriel Valley. But um seeing like events happen there and seeing like people be targeted and um even my friends who live in the 66 sometimes say like oh uh I, I something happened near my house and I think I'm gonna like um not leave my house for a while and um it's just it's just really weird to me because I always thought of where I used to live as like a really nice place and I I would always just like walk home freely and um I was I would never like check my back or something um, unless it was dark but I mean I would never like check my back thinking that someone would just unprovocatively fight me or like do something because of how I look and um yeah and I'm I'm like more concerned about um my mom usually when, when it comes to this because uh because she okay so she tells me that I look ambiguous I could be Chinese but maybe I'm not you know and then and then um she says those things um that like you won't be targeted because you're um your your skin complexion's a bit darker um which is funny to me because like throughout my life um I've always that's always been a point about me because people I grew up around were East Asian and they had like that no filter for a pretty big period of time saying like oh yeah you you're not like Asian right <laughs> or something so um yeah I think over time I've that that's like its whole other issue but I think I've just um I've just started to feel more concerned about about my mom since I don't really feel that effect in the same way and I like I don't want anything to happen to her because like where I live isn't um isn't Asian dominated and um I I don't want people to like get the wrong idea or to attack her for some like random reason because maybe they've never seen like an Asian person before um and for a lot of parts in America that's that's true like you haven't there's there's a lot of parts of America where you've only seen um like Asian people or people of color through the screen and you only see that representation which um which is an issue especially for for Asian people and Asian women just how we're represented on screen as well kind of contributes to like what we're seeing now There is this 
fear I feel like that comes with our family members because I know that my um, my family group chat has been filled with videos um, that honestly I, I, I honestly cannot bring myself to watch um, because not only have I heard about them on Twitter but it it does get to the point where it's just like really just yeah it's always like a constant worry it's like do we do we buy pepper spray do we buy which yes which is you know do we take martial arts lessons do we just how do we defend ourselves right like that becomes a conversation that i don't know if you're y'all y'all's parents have or like relatives older relatives have but that's like something that has been appearing in like the group chats and all and so yeah no definitely they're scared i'm scared um and it's a really it's a really tough it's a really tough time um honestly it's i i I don't know what the word i would call this for but it's as if you know our our parents or grandparents came here to seek for the American dream only for it to turn into a nightmare. Yeah, Jason, I totally agree. And um, I think there is that issue of like, what should we do as college students and and like as members of our community to help provide for our families to so just make sure that they're safe? Like, like what should we do? Because um, there are like, two ways to go about it where if we defend ourselves and um basically arm ourselves to the teeth and just kind of fight back against this uh what will other communities think of us like will they see us as really cutthroat people who um don't necessarily like basically are a danger to them in a way which which shouldn't be the case or um will they see us as people who are kind of helpless and like we're just trying to um just turn uh just turn to a society that kind of is coming out for us so i think there's definitely the the danger of us becoming um a quote unquote danger to society just because we have armed ourselves in a way that um that uh kind of paints a bad picture of us and i think that's something that we sh- like a direction that we shouldn't go in um but yeah, that's definitely a difficult topic that definitely needs more thinking. Um, but yeah, like, what what are your guys' thoughts about like what we should do in terms of um, how should we react as college students and how should we prepare for um, an upcoming future in a society that that has treated us in this way time and time again? Well, I think I think we're definitely gonna be the. I mean, the, this next generation is going to be the ones that have gone through the pandemic, have gone um, through like witnessing BLM and witnessing the attacks on Asian Americans. And this generation has to like take that in mind when they when they make decisions. Um, like we have to take that in mind when we like grow up 
maybe have families and, um, you know, just impart our values on our community because since we've seen, um, like we've seen these things happen, we've, we've been through these events. I think it's important to not forget it and it's important to keep it in mind. Um, when we, yeah, well, like when we, um, just discuss things with people and also like act as leaders too, because like being a leader doesn't mean just, um, being a leader in a, an organization or anything. Um, I think you can just be a leader as a person, um, in your own life and like for your family or for your community. And also like educating ourselves too is really important because if we don't have, um, any background for this, like, um, any foundation for this, then we're not going to be able to, I guess, process it in a, in a good way to be able to like help others and to be able to like educate others too. Um, yeah, because I, I, I've like started to think more about like the history of Asians in the United States. I think like in high school, I was somewhat exposed to that a little bit, like um, being involved in like local politics. But then um, I felt like even more exposed to that history in college because there's just so much people feel free to talk about like everything at, at college. It feels like for me, it, um, people talk about the histories of so many different people um, and not just through the lens that we see in U.S. history. So I think like definitely educating ourselves about the history is a good way to um, is a good way to make change. Like you don't need to perform or like be super out there in order to um, make change. It's just knowing what's happened in the past, like knowing about what's happened on the transcontinental railroad um, where Chinese workers were used basically to build this big railroad for America and um, not given much credit and knowing about the internment camps in World War II and knowing about um, like Vincent Chin and Tianmen Li and just knowing that at least you'll have a basis for um, for like how to respond to things in the future and you can spread that knowledge to other people as well which i think is one of the most important things is just getting this history out there definitely agree with you in that like education is so important and we as college students have the privilege of like a higher education like we're able to access it despite all those societal barriers that are in front of us. So we should make the most out of it. We should learn about our history. Uh, like you said, we should learn so that we make sure these atrocities and this violence doesn't ever happen again. And we should learn how to advocate for our communities. We should learn and do research in exactly what our communities need, how our systems are failing us, and what we can do to, to fight that. Um, at the end of the day, I do think that like we may feel powerless as college students or as individuals, but um, 
education is how we can empower ourselves to fight the good fight. Um, Yeah, education is power. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah, I've started to think about that more because it's like we hear that in schools and stuff like education, it's power. But um, when you get to college, you kind of think more about like, what is education? Why are we educated in this way? And like I've started to realize that you don't need to be educated just from lectures and school. You can be educated from the people around you, um, like through conversations and through like just discussions like this. This is a way of educating um, and just putting ourselves out there for um, to like help in the in the grand like scheme of culture and and history. So, yeah, it's not just public school or private school based education there's there's different ways to um, learn and different ways to understand things yeah this talk of education um and thinking about like different modes of education and what we can do with it um ironically is that the word um I'll, i was reading something from one of my classes yesterday and it was talking about kind of how um the asian american movement um, or like community has gone from it's very like radical activist roots to become kind of more professionalized um in the past decades and so um like after like the 70s 80s like out of a need for survival you know um so i'm just kind of hopeful that you know i think as college students as like 1.5 second gen and like moving onwards we have a little bit more of like the stability and like the the grounding here, I think, to be a little bit more daring, hopefully, moving forward, you know, like, un unlike my parents, I have the privilege of not having to resettle um, from a different country to settle, like, have my feet down here. And I think, hopefully, that gives us kind of like the hope and the optimism to dream and like reach a little bit more for um, a future with more, more coalition building, more solidarity and such. Um, I, I think that kind of move, moving a little bit away from like scarcity mindset and just kind of like solely looking out for ourselves and that transactional activism that Eric was mentioning. Um, I'm kind of hopeful that that's kind of the way that we're going. Like, especially this past year, this past summer, I think we've seen a lot, there's been a rise in like direct action and mutual aid and like showing up for communities. And I'm hopeful that like, hopefully we continue writing that out. Um, for our communities and for others as well. So whether that be through demonstrations and um, in speaking up and advocating for our communities or like just being like showing up for our, our, our kin and for like our family members, whether they are Asian or not um, through community care. Um, I think hopefully we actually turn education back to the community and not just kind of like take it and leave take it and you know take our leave and such so that's kind of my hope like that we take our education whether it is through academia or otherwise and actually implement it in the community and that that requires getting down getting dirty um but that's what community work is for um yeah i, th I think that's like 
one of the best ways that we can move forward. And obviously it's, it's hard for us to like, as college students right now to think about like, what will we do? Um, because like most of us aren't even, most of us can't even do things like go to bars or go drink or we can't do those things right we're a lot of us are young at the moment um i don't know about emily and jason but (laughs) yeah um in a pandemic very true so yeah i think i think it's hard for us as young people a lot of times to think like what are we going to do because we have our whole lives ahead of us and we have um like so much time but being like trying to make change immediately is really tough because a lot of us aren't going to do that. A lot of us aren't like in super big positions or anything to make that change. But um, I, I think it all starts like really small and like it just starts with us um, to talk about it again, like, it starts with us educating ourselves and being able to spread that. So um, I hope, I hope we can like take that away from this podcast, just to continue learning and to continue uh, just not um, just not like doing activism, doing activism for the sake of activism isn't activism in my, in my opinion. But I think educating yourself is a form of activism since even if you aren't speaking out, you, are, you yourself are being changed with your mindset and with the body of knowledge that you have. So, um, yeah, I, I hope we can take that away from this podcast. But I think that is um, a pretty good note to um, wrap up with. But um before before we wrap up though is there anything that you all want to like conclude with or just talk about before we wrap up there are so many ways one can fill their mind education isn't simply like a one pathway it's like there's multiple branches and there's multiple paths there's multiple you know, there's multiple schools of thoughts. And I think that's the beauty of like the human mindset and just knowledge in general, that you can ascertain information from many different avenues. And that's where it gets a little bit scary because education is important. Bad education is deadly. So I think we also have to be mindful of what 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 are the ideas that we're consuming? Are they actually going to be beneficial for the community? What kind of information is there that is prevalent um, on the mediums that we consistently um, consume or are a part of? And so as we go forth to educating ourselves, and this is something that we as college students I like, like to do, I suppose. We have to be very, very mindful of what exactly are we educating ourselves on.
I agree with Jason and his whole thing where like there's so many different forms of education and I especially agree with the fact that we have to be cognizant of what we are consuming in our media or in whatever we're educating ourselves with. We have to make sure that, like he said, that we're mindful, that we are actively putting effort into teaching ourselves the right things, even if they may be hard lessons for us to swallow. Yeah, I think definitely education is such a powerful way for us to make sense of the world. And I think as college students, it's a very natural, developmentally appropriate way of doing so. Um, And I think it's just a really good way of trying to gain ownership over our experience again, like to consume like information and news and also, you know, to make sense of it in, in our own right. Um, so yeah, thank you, Dylan, for putting us together. I feel like conversations like these, like to process and to have conversations, to think noise about it, it's a way to gain agency over an issue that makes us feel helpless um, and feel dread in so many ways. I think just to process it and make space for it in a society that often does not, um, it's just really powerful. Um, so <laughs> we'll see where we go from here, but definitely I appreciate this space. Yes, and to quickly add on one last thing, um, I think that we are the generation to get this done. Like we are literally just the we have all the resources, all the um all the like connections, the solidarity, all of it, like social media is a powerful but dangerous tool. And just to have that in mind, um we can do this as long as we don't get painted the wrong way. Just like how Martin Luther King wanted the civil rights movement to not get painted the wrong way. As long as we follow the right education, we got this. So yeah, just that little bit of hope for anyone listening. Yeah, I think I think there is like quite a bit of hope. And um, just, I think, yeah, like when we... And we're at least like optimistic about it. I'm I'm very certain that um, things will happen, and we will like make that change. And you know, just speaking up like this and having this podcast, I hope has been like beneficial for you all to just um, process this and also like get your get your conversation, get your um, thoughts out there on what you're thinking about the current climate and just like what's going on. Um, because speaking up is the first step. Like if if someone um, listens to this podcast who's who like maybe have has a different perspective or maybe hasn't heard a perspective like ours, I think that's a win. So um, I hope everyone um, who's who's here like really enjoyed it and like was able to just um, get their thoughts out there. And obviously, we can't like cram all of our thoughts and all of our ideas about this, about what's going on in a, in a less than one hour podcast. But um, I hope that this like at least sparked something for, for you all here. And also for everyone who's listening. So yeah, um, on that note, I just want to thank you all again for being a part of the podcast. And I hope everyone who's listened has enjoyed this episode of the AIA and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day.